Hi, welcome back to Eight Words or Less. This is the podcast series that distills leadership and management books into, surprise, surprise, eight words or less. I'm Sammy and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm James, I'm your other host. So Sammy, this week you've chosen the book Discover Your True North by Bill George. What what made you pick that book for this discussion? Well, I went to Harvard Business School a few years ago because I realized I could never get into Harvard normally. So I went through an executive program called Leading Global Businesses. Bill, at the time, was pioneering research into authentic leadership. And I just wanted to get an understanding of what that actually meant so that I could take it back then into my corporate job. And of course, that's evolved into the consultancy and speaking work I've done since. And actually, we're fortunate. We're going to have Bill George with us for a bonus episode where we will get to ask him some questions on the book and, of course, how these learnings and insights apply to these challenging times that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. He, he's, uh, he's just from what I've read and researched, he's a remarkable man. And this is a wonderful book. You know, as I was reading it, Sammy, I'd, I'd almost describe it as as almost a classic genre of a leadership book. You know, it's written by this person with incredible pedigree and does both of running large organizations and in the world of academia. And in a way, it follows that classic pattern. It interviews over 125 top business leaders and distills the wisdom and experiences of these outstanding leaders, but with the focus very much on authentic leadership. And to me, it was that focus that distinguished it from other, perhaps in a way, quite similar books. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the title of the book I loved, you know, True North, it speaks to this. It encapsulates the idea of how complex the world of management leadership is and the importance of having an internal compass to ensure that you're becoming an authentic leader and, and not getting lost on your way. As I was researching, and as I said, I can't wait to speak to him, but the author seemed a really fascinating person. You know, what I liked is how much of the book seemed to be based on his experiences. I mean, you get that concept of authenticity. He talks in the book a lot about transformational elements. He talks, I think he refers to them as crucibles in the book. And when I was researching, you know, you can see how how these events in his life, the sudden deaths of his mother and fiance, and the impact those had on his outlook and on his life, that really comes through. And the proactive changes he made, for example, from moving from Honeywell, where he didn't feel he could be his authentic self, to Medtronic, which ended up actually in him eventually becoming a CEO there. But it's wonderful how, as you research a bit about his life, you can see, Sammy, how his authenticity shines through. And these elements really come through in the book as well. It's a great read. You know, I know, I don't know about you, Sam, but written in 2007 feels incredibly prescient. I feel like, you know, the importance of authenticity in all elements of leadership is is now more than ever needed. And I think this focus makes it a great book for, for any aspiring leader. So what is your central message, Sammy? From all the gold in the book, I've come up with a seven-word central message. Authentic leaders go from me to we. Fantastic. And your first pedal? My first petal, James, is about how our life stories define, or I should say, or can define our leadership. At some stage in our lives, we're all influenced by difficult experiences, uh, such as personal illness or the illness of a family member, perhaps the death of a loved one, or feelings of being excluded, discriminated against, or rejected by our peers. And by understanding the formative experience of our early lives, 
authentic leaders have the opportunity to reframe the understanding of a life stories and shape their leadership around it. And I've found certainly in my work, James, everybody has a story. Bill talks about crucibles, these being an essential element in the process of becoming a leader. And he says self-awareness is the foundation of authenticity. So authentic leaders can tap into and they explore their life stories. They use their crucibles in their life to give more context and then passion to make an impact in the world. And Bill George talks about the true north, this internal moral compass that can keep us on track. It makes authentic leaders head purposefully in a certain direction, even when the skies get cloudy and we can't see if you like our north star anymore authentic leaders still stay on track because they have this internal moral compass. So I guess the question becomes, how do we connect the dots between our past and the future in order for us to be more authentic and to find our inspiration? Yeah, um, I don't know, Simon, what I I liked as well was that he's very specific that each crucible, as he refers to and as you mentioned, each is different for every individual. And I think sometimes the mistake we expect is when we listen about great leaders, we we always find these these sort of sometimes very dramatic background stories. But uh, he's quite specific in that your crucible doesn't have to be something that is dramatic and, you know, uh, cover of Time magazine sort of mm. uh, a story. It's something that's impacted you. And he, he specifically says in, 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 in parts of the book, it could be something as, you know, a bad breakup. It could be challenges with your parents. It could be a, a experience at a university or, or your first job, you know, a leader or mentor that, that influenced you one way or another. So I think as, as we're sort of considering and looking back in our lives, they don't have to be these sort of cataclysmic events. And you can't compare yours to someone else's. It's what's important, what's framed your outlook in life. Understanding that and understanding how that impacts on the way that you lead people and being authentic through it, I think is the important thing that I took away anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's levels of authenticity depending on the context and who you want to show up or lean into. So we all have had people and experiences that have shaped us. And I guess the invitation is where in your story do we find that passion to lead? What have been those key turning points? And they don't have to be dramatic. And an example that Bill George spoke about resonated with me. He talked about Howard Schultz when he was seven years old. He was, of course, the CEO of Starbucks. He said in the winter of 1961, he found out that his father had had an accident. While working as a delivery driver, his dad fell on a sheet of ice and broke his ankle. He lost his job and, of course, the family's healthcare benefits that was associated with that job. Uh, his mum couldn't work because she was seven months pregnant at the time. And many evenings, Schultz listened to his parents arguing at the dinner table about how much money they needed to borrow. Schultz always dreamed then of doing things differently. And he wanted to build a company that his father would be proud of, that treated its employees well and provided healthcare benefits. And indeed, Starbucks became one of the first retail corporations to offer every employee, including its part-time workers, complete healthcare coverage as well as stock options. And he calls his employees partners, he pays above the minimum wage, 
and supports with their further education. And that example resonated because by reflecting on his life story, it's an example of how he turned a crucible into something positive. And that's why authentic leaders go from me to we. Fantastic. And your second petal, Sammy. Petal number two is about authentic leadership being about serving people. And what better example than to talk about Nelson Mandela? On the 11th of February in 1990, Mandela walked out of his prison cell at Robben Island, a free man. And he described the scene, quote, As I walked toward the prison gate and was among the crowd, I raised my right fist and there was a roar. I'd not been able to do that for 27 years, and it gave me a surge of strength and joy. And that evening, he spoke to a large crowd at the Grand Parade in Cape Town. It was a brief remark, but, I mean, it was so powerful. He talked about his plan for the future of South Africa. And, quote, I stand here before you not as a prophet, but as a humble servant of you, the people. Your tireless and heroic sacrifices have made it possible for me to be here today. I therefore place the remaining years of my life in your hands. And Madiba's purpose became to reunite all the people of South Africa, creating a country centered on social justice and opportunity for everyone. Now, obviously, James, it's hard to follow any example after Madiba, but his focus on reconciliation and bringing people together did get me thinking. And my reflections are, I think sometimes we we think that when we're promoted from individual roles to leadership, it's about being recognized for our ability to get others to follow us. But if our supporters merely follow the leader, then they're limited by the leader's vision. Bill George goes on to say, to become authentic leaders, we need to discard this myth that leadership means about having legions of supporters following us. Only then, he says, can we realise it's about serving people and aligning them around a common mission and values and empowering everybody, all the people, on their individual leadership. It's um, it's never easy to follow that example, of course, but... um. Very randomly, it actually reminded me of all things of, of basketball. And uh, this is because I'm not sure if you've seen, Sammy, on Netflix recently, the um, the documentary called The Last Dance, which is about um, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and, and, and their story and their, their story to success. But actually, what I thought was relevant for this was about their, their coach, uh, an inspirational leader and very unique individual called Phil Jackson. He used this philosophy based on a a management book uh, by Dave Logan and John King, all around tribal leadership. And Phil Jackson talks about the challenging but fascinating journey of moving a team of superstars from what he calls lone warriors committed to their own individual success Mm. to a different team, to the next stage in that journey where they're seeing themselves almost as the we overtakes the emphasis on me so that we are great, not mm. you're great. And I thought this was quite interesting because it's, it's the same thing as your central message, the, the me to we, but how a team can move from a series of individual me's to one we. Yeah, it reminds me of one of my favorite sayings in leadership. If it was a good job, you did it. 
if it was a bad job, I did it. But if it was a great job, then we did it. And in that sense, that's why authentic leaders go from me to we. Fantastic. And your third and final petal. The third petal, James, is around teaming together. And the example I am going to borrow from True North is about Alan Mulally, who was leading Ford in 2006. He arrived from Boeing as the new CEO, and he was wearing a sport coat and slacks, which was attire quite distinct from his buttoned-up executives and cufflinks that he noticed when he drove into the company parking garage that there were no Fords in the garage at all. (laughs) And he was greeted by 30 aides who immediately escorted him to his enormous office. So when he got to his office, he gazed out at the panoramic windows and he overlooked one of the most famous factories in the industry. And he said to one of his aides, I'd love to quickly go for a walk around on day one and meet the employees to which the aide replied oh our executives actually don't talk directly to factory employees that's when he really knew there was a problem he used to run weekly business performance review meetings and he would pull the team the executive team together for a full day of in-depth fact-based reviews of the different facets, if you like, of Ford's businesses. And he dove deep. He used a RAG status, red, amber, green, a traffic light system, essentially, to see what the status was of key projects. And he was puzzled. Everything was green. So he would look at this group of very senior people. And it was at his fifth review where he said, Unless losing $12.7 billion is our strategy at Ford, can somebody tell me, is there anything that's not going well here? And everyone was quiet. But the following week, the America's president, Mark Fields, who incidentally ended up becoming his successor years later, but Mark Fields faced the reality with a red indication that a key new vehicle launch was going to be held up and field colleagues thought he would get fired. (laughs) But instead, Mulally started clapping. And he said that was the key, the defining moment in his leadership. How Mulally chose to respond in that moment would probably determine whether Ford thrived, survived, or otherwise. And he said, you are not the problem. You have a problem. How can we come together to start helping you to turn from red to amber to green? And the following weeks, James, more projects turned red. But what he noticed over time was this group of people who worked together started to team together. And the leaders who were willing to team together stayed and turned around the business. Yeah, and I thought there was a lot of similar themes in the book around bringing everyone together on that journey. I also liked the emphasis that he talked about that as a leader, you need a support team. I know it's slightly different from teaming together, but I thought it was a really good reminder, particularly because what tends to happen is people forget the importance of building a support team when things are going well. Mm -hmm. And then when things are going badly, it's too 
late. And he talked about support groups that he set up, that he meets with weekly, I think for something like the last 40 years or something, for an incredible amount of time that he, he meets weekly or monthly, I can't remember. But he talks about, you know, whatever this may be, it might be uh, a mentor, it may be your colleagues that you are working closely with, it may be um, uh, friends or family outside. Uh, but I thought it was a really good reminder that the authentic leaders, good leaders, you know, aren't, you know, they aren't able to achieve everything by themselves. And if they do, they usually end up deviating from their true north because they've got no one to hold them to account to give them that authentic feedback and all the rest. So that idea of me to we is, is not just about the way you manage people, but it's about the way you support yourself, about creating a we around yourself of support and, and guidance and, and mentors and, and other key um, foundations towards, towards individual success. And what Bill George does beautifully on this program, the exec program, is he creates these support teams and we're still in touch years later. And at 6 or 7 p.m. we thought we were done for the day, but little did we know after dinner we would then work until midnight in little teams. And we were sharing our stories and we were finding ways to create this network that crossed industries and crossed geographies, um, which, which is so powerful. I think before I went on the program and before reading this book, I understood authentic leadership to be about Sammy and how I show up. And what I'm beginning to realize is authentic leadership is not about me. It's about stripping myself, my layers, in order to create that we. Uh, well, uh, and let's see, central message, James. Well, you yeah. set it up quite nicely. I authentic <laughs> leaders go from me to we. Yeah, I think I did set it up a little bit too much. Yeah, spot on, 100%. Fantastic. Thank you, Sammy. And and uh, thank you to our listeners and to Bill George, obviously. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to, the, to him about this book, about his life and, uh, and the bonus episode that will follow. Fantastic. And as always, use the hashtag eight words or less to share your questions, uh, thoughts, experiences, and any book recommendations you have for season two. And make sure you subscribe so you can download our previous episodes and make sure you never miss a new one. Bye for now.